Well, off the weekend, as we get ready for holidays, Christmas, and the new year, we are back with the Fight Freaks Unite Recap Podcast. I am the somewhat competent host of the program. He is our insider from Fight Freaks Unite, his Substack, as well as BigFightWeekend.com. Hello, Dan Rayfield. I need you. I need you for a lot of reasons. I, I mean, there's there's like group therapy that I need you for right about now uh, after my Sunday night. But first of all, how are you? How are things off the weekend? I'm good. And as we tape this, the Giants are winning. So, it's all good. <laughs> so you're smiling about the National Football League. I have we'll been part of working. We'll see if it holds the, up, by the way. I'm, I'm right, right. But I, I have been part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneer radio broadcast. Uh, for going on the last 20 years, including a Super Bowl win a couple years ago. But tonight, the Buccaneers melted down and lost a game that is still inexplicable. And it's, it happened an hour and a half ago, two hours ago. But now we're taping the podcast. So I'm just I'm just saying thank you. We'll for, focus uh, on boxing. Let's get uh, the we'll, boxing. We'll focus on boxing and get this back on track. Because we got a lot to get to, uh, including a very impressive win by Frank Martin in the Showtime PBC main event, the lightweight showdown with Michelle Rivera. Great performance by him. You're going to recap the Showtime card. We got news. We got good news on the uh, the fighter, your boss, Anuli, that we're going to get to and being released from the hospital, et cetera. So stand by for all of this. By the way, thank you for finding us. Social media link, Dan Substack, his email newsletter, as well as bigfightweekend.com. Make sure you're following or subscribing. Please cheer me up. Do the do, do the do the duty here, because if you're following and subscribing, what do you get that will tell you that there's a new podcast off the weekend, for example? Well, TJ, you get a banner, you get a bell, you get a ding, you get a light, you get a vibration. I think I got it all. Yeah, I think you did. You get something that tells you it's here. No other prompt necessary. Boom, we're good. We come into the weekend with previews, usually out Friday, uh, early Friday, and then uh, late Sunday night, early into Monday. Now, I will tell you, peeps, please bear with us next week for Christmas because TJ's in Arizona with the Sunday night Buccaneer Cardinals game working all night and then flying in the middle of the night. I'm real popular, Brother Rayfield, in my house. I'm not here for Christmas Eve. I'm not here for Christmas Day or Christmas night. And after what I just witnessed tonight, if I'm going to go all the way to Arizona and not see a Buccaneer win, bah humbug, if that's the case. I'm just saying to the peeps, Fight Freaks Unite recap is coming on Monday, Savages. It's just not coming Monday morning because I can't physically do it from the airplane while I'm flying with Rayfield. We will get it done when I get back. Do we even have fights to recap next week? That's the I question. don't know that we do, but you know I what? I My Sunday nights are not the same without you. So you and I will contemplate what we're recapping, if there's news to recap. So they need to stay tuned on on whether or not there's a pod this weekend. We might we might start delving into like fight of the year, fight of the year, KO of the Possibly. year. Sure. That's got to be coming. They just got to stay tuned to find out. I'm just saying, peeps, next Monday morning, there's not going to be a podcast yet because TJ and Dan can't get together till I get off the plane. And I'm you not... might be homeless anyway. Your wife and kids uh, might get yeah. you out of the My crap might be out by the side of the road, and I might be out by the side of the road doing this on somebody's Wi-Fi at the McDonald's or the Starbucks. But we'll see what happens. In any event, <coughs> let's get to it. Uh, recap of the Showtime PBC card in Las Vegas. Uh, the main event, again, lightweights. Good for them. Lightweights unbeaten. No title on the line, but they chose to fight each other in one of the uh, more competitive fights here at the end of the year, not involving a title, to say the least. Well, on the paper, ghost. yeah, on paper. yeah. And, it, well, and by the way, it was it was not for a title, but it was a WBA lightweight eliminator. So the correct. winner is in position to at some point next year. But I give these we've we've said this. I give these guys credit for fighting each other and not fighting. Sure. You know, a has been or a never was. They fought each other. Somebody's going to walk out of that ring in better shape for a title shot. 
Again, the Showtime PBC main event, and Frank Martin really controlled this fight and dominated this fight. Tell me more out of what you saw, please. I mean, I was not surprised that Frank Martin won on our BetUS show. You and I both picked Frank Martin by a decision. But I didn't think it was going to be completely and utterly one-sided. I figured it would be like eight to four, that type of fight. But the reality was Frank Martin won a shutout on one scorecard. He won eight, 118 to 109 on another scorecard, which means the judge gave him two rounds, uh, gave Michelle Rivera two rounds. The third judge had it 117 to 110, also uh, giving Michelle Rivera uh, three rounds. But he also, and I had the fight 11 rounds to one. I gave Rivera one round. But he also got the extra point because in the seventh round, Frank Martin put together a beautiful combination that dropped Michelle Rivera to his rear end. Um, so it was a dominating performance. Michelle Rivera could not deal with the speed, could not deal with the movement, uh, obviously had some problems with the power, and really just was a mess, just had no idea what to do. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and dump all over Michelle Rivera because I do give him credit for taking the fight. So I applaud him for that, and hopefully he can uh, dust himself off and get back in the gym and get his head right and come back and, and continue to uh, rise up the ranks. There's, you know, the guy's, uh, you know, he's only 24 years old. There's no reason that he should. Uh, I heard people, I saw people writing on uh, social media, like he's done. He's, you know, he's never going to do anything. I mean, the guy lost one fight against another quality guy. Let's all take a deep breath. I mean, he, he'll uh, hopefully can come back, but uh, for Frank Martin, big time win, big spot, main event on Showtime, their last show of the year. Uh, just a great performance. I mean, he did everything that he said he would do everything that his trainer, Derek James expected of him, everything that his promoter, uh, the unified welterweight title holder, Errol Spence Jr., who was there ringside, uh, thought of him. And, uh, you know, that was a breakout win. Frank Martin is now no longer a prospect. He is now a contender. He is going to be in some type of bigger fight next year. You already saw the chirping from different guys, uh, people suggesting he should fight Shakur Stevenson. There was a little back and forth on uh, social media about it and, and, and any of the other top lightweights. And we all have talked about, the depth of this weight class, TJ, mm -hmm. for a while between Devin Haney as the undisputed champion, then, you know, Shakur moving up into the weight class. You still have Javante Tank Davis, who's there, uh, who's defending his second tier title in uh, a, a couple of weeks, and other fighters that are in that weight class. So, and, and Michelle Rivera and Frank Martin were on that list, but now it's Frank Martin that takes that big sort of step up to that next level. And he's now in that conversation with those other top fighters in the weight class. Deservedly so. Great performance for him. We're not crowning him yet. Got to no, give him no. a world title against a champion, but he looks good. He's on that trajectory, um, and uh, and we'll see. So ideally, ideally, if Rayfield could wave the magic wand, who would you like to see Frank Martin with later in 2023? We're looking for presents under the tree, or or Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa, or Festivus for the rest of us. If you could give Frank Martin a present. Who would you love to see him in there with that's realistic in 2023? What do you think? I don't I mean, know that Gervonta, Gervonta Davis is probably not realistic, right, for any point of 2023 because he's going to fight Ryan Garcia for his second fight at some point. I don't know. But what what is your thought? Well, you know, the, the reality of the victory in that fight makes him the mandatory for the Davis title. So it's possible that they could arrange that. They are both within that PBC uh, banner, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. I sort of tend to doubt it. Um, but you never say never. Um, look, there's Isaac Pitbull Cruz would be a good matchup. Um, I'd love to see the Shakur Stevenson fight, but I also live in the real world and understand the reality of that situation. Um, 
you know, a, a, a fight with a with a big power puncher like William Zapata would be a tremendous fight. Obviously, very complicated given the broadcasting situation and the promoter situation, and neither one of them are that big of a name. Um, you know, those types of fights. I don't think he's going to get the shot or he's quite ready yet for, you know, a Lomachenko or even Devin Haney, guys like that. But there's good fighters. I mean, could they do a fight with Joseph Diaz? Could they do a fight with Jermaine Ortiz, who gave Lomachenko a good fight? I'm just naming, like, top lightweights. I mean, is George Cambosis going to come back? Does he want to take a tough fight uh, on the comeback trail? Um, but he's in that conversation of any of the good lightweight matchups you can make. And, uh, look, he's got all the talent in the world. I don't see really any major, major flaw. The southpaw style is impressive, the way he operates. He, he uses his jab pretty good. He's got good footwork. His defense is solid. His offense is solid. He's got a good corner. He's got good backing. He's got good amateur pedigree. He's got good experience. I mean, just because he won the fight with Rivera on Saturday, he had had uh, some other, you know, not that level of a victory, let's say, but he had other solid wins on the way up, not like mega wins against superstar names, but he had like good building block names. You know, he, he bumped off the undefeated Joseph Adorno, for example, John Fernandez, who was a big time prospect at one time from Spain, who still only had one loss. He didn't just beat him. He knocked him out. So we've, we've watched the evolution of this kid over the last few years. And uh, look, sky's the limit. All right. Good enough on that undercard uh, from the cosmopolitan there. As PBC, again, was getting some fighters some work here at the end of the year. Your thoughts on the two other uh, fights on the triple header from Showtime PBC, please, in the recap? Well, in the co-feature, it was a IBF super middleweight title eliminator, which puts the winner uh, one step closer to being named a mandatory for Canelo Alvarez, who, of course, has all the belts undisputed. Uh, Vladimir Shishkin against the former IBF title holder, Jose Uzcategui. Now, they're both the same age. They're both 31 years old. But Uzkategi, uh at that age has way more wear and tear on his uh, odometer, having had 32 wins and now he has five losses, whereas Shishkin, same age, but much less experience in the pros, but fresher physically at now 14-0 with eight knockouts. He's a Russian fighter who lives in uh, bases out of Detroit. He's on the Sugar Hill Stewart stable, promoted by Demetrius Salida. And this was a breakout win for him also. We've seen him on Showbox in the past. Uh, I don't know if I say at 14 and 0 now that he's a prospect because he's already 31 years old. So, you know, I don't, I usually, in my mind anyway, it's not official, but you're not a prospect anymore if you're no longer in your 20s. That's the first thing. But this was a big win for him. It puts him in that position. It was, look, a hard, tough fight, a, 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 what we call a scrap. You know, it was a, yes. a real tough scrap. They really grounded out a physical kind of fight. Um, he won wide on two scorecards, 117, 111, which seemed about the right score. The other judge uh, had it a little closer, which I kind of thought was a little bit out of line, 115 to 113. But nonetheless, uh, Shishkin announces his arrival as a name in the super middleweight division. He gets the victory against Uzkategi, again, who is a former title holder a few years ago, lost his belt to uh, Kayla Plant uh, in a fight that uh, Kayla Plant was the underdog in. And so uh, Shishkin is now, again, in a, in a position. Not only he's not ready for Canelo, probably he was talking a good game uh, after that fight, but you know, look, he's he's in position to be involved in any of these types of fights in that weight class. It's not the deepest weight class right now, but uh, he's got a chance to shine uh, probably, you know, with the fighters maybe just a, a notch below Canelo at this moment. And in the uh, opening fight on the uh, Showtime broadcast was yet another 
IBF title eliminator. This one coming in the bantamweight division with a Manny Pacquiao promoted fighter uh, who was making he's making his American debut named Vincent Astrolabio, who scored a very nice sixth round knockout against Nikolai Potapov uh, to put himself in the position to become the mandatory. Now, the IBF champion in bantamweight division is Noyo Inoue. In a way, he's now undisputed. Remember, we discussed last week, he became undisputed with the big knockout against Paul Buller. But he has said before that fight, he said since that fight, he is vacating the titles. He is moving up to the junior featherweight division. And what that means is that Ashalabio is going to get an opportunity to fight for the IBF title. And it won't be against Noya in a way where he'll get his ass kicked. It'll be against some other fighter <laughs> where now he has a, a, a real chance. And I don't mean that as a negative against no, Ashalabio. But I would say that about any of the bantamweights. So it's nothing not against him. Uh, if you have to be matched up against Noya in a way, you're going to be a big underdog and probably get knocked out. But because of the fact he's moving up a weight class, that belt will be all the belts will become vacant in the near future. And uh, in terms of the IBF, uh, they'll order him to fight the next leading available contender, and he'll have a, a more reasonable chance to become uh, a world champion. And it was a, you know, it was a good performance. He had uh, he had uh, Potapov down three times in the fight, and that was it, over and out. Uh, you know. A bad performance uh, from Potapov really just never got his legs under him. And, uh, you know, he got knocked down. And there really could have been a second knockdown called in the, in the early rounds where the, the referee called it a slip, but he was dropped in the first round, dropped in the fifth round officially, and then dropped for the full count to a knee with a nice right hand in the sixth round. So just good performance all around for him and uh, a good performance for Shishkin. They both put themselves in great title positions. And as we talked about in the main event, just a really outstanding performance from uh, – from Frank Martin, who I've been high on for the last uh, couple of years, and you know he's living up to the potential. Great stuff. Love Dan's insight here as we rock along, recapping the weekend. Now, on that Showtime broadcast, there were a couple of news items. One, great news involving Idos Yerbasa Nuli, the fighter that was seriously injured at the hands of David Morrell over a month ago in Minnesota. Dan, fill us in on what they were talking about on Showtime. You've also been reporting on this as well, and the news is good, which we like. Right. Well, a few weeks ago, of course, I had reported that he had uh, uh, come out of his or he had been taken out of his coma, the medically induced coma that he had after he had a brain surgery uh, for the injury that happened in that fight. Terrible knockout, obviously. And that he was able to, uh, uh, you know, walk to a certain degree and, and talk a little bit. But on the Showtime broadcast, and this is really the first time anybody that was involved in the event, let's say, has really publicly acknowledged that he had a major injury, that uh, the host of Showtime, of course, is Brian Custer. And between fights, he spoke about um, uh, to update everybody and said that that he had uh, been well enough that I believe it was on December the 3rd, he said that uh, your boss and his wife, who had come with some other people, I guess, from Kazakhstan to the United States uh, when he was in the hospital, that they were able to be well enough to take him back to Kazakhstan, that he was able to walk and and do some things. Now, they didn't really get into the particulars of his condition, uh, but obviously, if he's able to leave the hospital and go not only to a rehab center or something like that, but actually go home. Obviously that seems like a very positive sign. So uh, that's, that's as much as we know from what was reported on the Showtime broadcast. So that's uh, a lot better. I think this soon after what happened, because like you said, TJ, it's only been what, like a month or so. Correct. Uh, and these types of injuries, you know, even if you're going to have improvements or go to rehab or whatever, the improvements are going to take a little bit longer than that. So it sounds based on the time frame of how quickly he went from being hospitalized and in a coma to being able to travel a couple of weeks ago back home uh, to Kazakhstan. That obviously was a serious injury, but not as bad as maybe it seemed like in the beginning that hopefully he'll just continue to improve. Obviously his boxing career is over, but yep. certainly not the most important thing in the moment. And uh, 
he just w- wished the best for him and his family. I think it's, it's fair to sum it up. It's fair to sum it up this way. Forget about the boxing <clears throat> career. If he can live a semi-normal, if not mostly normal life from here on out, victory. Victory because we were looking at a horrific situation. And I know you're saying that. We're both saying right. that right now. So, But it's also, you know, again, because I don't know specifics of what his condition is. I know that as an example, if you go back a few years ago, you had uh, Muhammad Abdusalama of the heavyweight who – survived a very traumatic brain injury but his life is not his life really he's right he can't really walk he can't really talk he has no real memory of what happened and he's going to have to get taken care of basically 24 7 mm-hmm. for the rest of his life so i don't know if yerbis nuli is in that position it didn't seem like that based on what they were saying but i don't have direct knowledge of that so i hope that he is much better than abdus salamov's situation you know or going back many years before like a gerald mcclellan for example there you go requires the 24-hour care from his uh his sister lisa um but hopefully uh yerbis nuli is in as much is in much better shape um than some other people who have lived but not ever had their lives the same that hopefully he can get back to having his life the same and when i say that uh you know there are there are examples of fighters who have had these types of injuries and have had uh so-called quote-unquote uh normal lives daniel frankel for example who was a fighter that was injured a couple years ago um, you know, never going to box again, but is well enough to get on with his life. He drives, he talks like I met him in person. I had spoke to him on the phone a few times, but I met him in person a few years ago at the boxing writers dinner where he had gotten an award for, uh, the annual award of, uh, uh, overcoming uh, adversity and having courage. And, and if you didn't know that he had had a traumatic brain injury in a boxing match and you just like met him and said hello to him, you know, how's it going? You would never really know it. So hopefully even though he's never going to be perfect, as he is the one that said that, you hope that Yerba Sinuli is more of a Daniel Franco than of a Muhammad Abdesalamov. All right. Great stuff uh, on the news on that. Okay. A scary situation just a <coughs> week ago involving Errol Spence, the unified world welterweight champion, was clarified for uh, some more on Saturday night in Las Vegas. Spence in attendance because, again, he's in the same gym in Texas as Frank Martin, who was in the main event. That's uh, he's one, promoter. Of his, one of his promoter, one of his protégés, two out of that gym, taking him under his wing. And Spence gave an interview updating the situation with the car accident. Not his fault. Again, as we detail uh, a 14 year old, a 14 year old, not licensed to drive, had gotten his, his hands on the vehicle that belonged to a relative or a parent uh, and smashed into Spence in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Luckily, not seriously injured. Errol had his kids in the car, younger children, young children in the car. They were not seriously hurt. All right. So Spence was giving an update as it relates to now fight schedule and in the ring. What's the latest Dan off that interview? Well, what he said was that he was getting ready to announce his next fight in the next few days. Uh, after that accident occurred obviously that accident came and went and there was no announcement one can only assume that was going to be the announcement of the keith thurman fight you know i've seen uh some social media pictures and stuff about keith you know being in the gym and everything clearly that fight was coming it was mandated uh by the wbc it was approved by the wba uh, but what errol said kind of surprised me to tell you the truth he said he's okay physically but he was banged up and started been, you know having some pain and this and that he, i mean he looks fine but that doesn't mean you don't know what's going on in his shoulder or his knee or his back or whatever, uh, and that his next fight will not be immediately. That is, you know, the original thought process was that Arrow would be back in the ring probably like March. 
that was never specified 100%, but that's what I was told by different people that would know about, you know, when dates are being held by venues and by television mm-hmm. and things along those lines. So it felt like it was going to be probably sometime in March. But when Errol said that, and, and he left a pretty wide uh, uh, opening for when his next bout would be, he said, I'll probably be back sometime April, May, or June. So that's obviously a little longer than most people would have expected. Remember, Errol did not fight. Uh, he hasn't fought for a while. I mean, he had, you know, he had to miss the Pacquiao fight because of the eye injury that required him to be out. And, you know, you know, that was a surprise to him, obviously, when that was canceled. Like well, right- Ugas won in May. So we're look, we're looking at like seven months, April, May, seven months. Well, now. remember, since since the Sean Porter fight at the end of two, in the fall mm-hmm. of 2019, so remember, three weeks after that fight, he had that terrible car accident, which, you know, he could have obviously easily been killed, had the DUI, et cetera. So he was out of the ring from that point on for uh, 15 months. So at the end of 2020, December of 2020, he came back and had a, a very good victory and a great performance against Danny Garcia. And then he's supposed to come back in in uh, the in August of 2021 and have the fight against Pacquiao. That fight gets canceled, what, 10 days before the fight? Or even, I guess, even quicker, Correct. even closer to the fight than that. So he didn't fight at all in 2021. And then finally, this past April, he comes back to fight Ugas. He hoping to fight, you know, this fall against Crawford. That fight didn't happen. And so now he's out till the early part of next year against Thurman. And now the second accident that, again, not his fault, no DUI in this one, puts him out till, you know, like he said, April, May or June. So it's unfortunate that since the end of 2019, Errol's only had two fights and he's not looking to his next fight till probably, you know, late spring of next year. So, uh you know, he's looked good in his fights. I mean, he looked tremendous against uh, Danny Garcia. He wouldn't know he was in a bad car accident. He looked great against Ugas, who hasn't fought since then, who he really inflicted a lot of damage to. And, uh, you know, we just want to see him get back in the ring. And he did also, you know, was asked about the negotiations that failed with Crawford. He took exception to the way that Crawford has characterized the failure of those talks, telling Brian. Now, remember, Brian Custer from Showtime had uh, Terrence Crawford on his podcast back, of, you know, as Terrence was getting ready to fight the fight he had with uh, David Evans, and he was promoting that fight. And, you know, he basically blames the Errol Spence camp. And Errol was like, you know, he doesn't appreciate that. This is from Errol's point of view, saying, look, if he had just said to us, look, I got a chance to make $10 million for an easy fight, I would have been like, you know, go make the bag and then come back. You know, he's not looking to hold anybody up for making the money, but he felt like that, that the Crawford side, Terrence in particular, was not straight with them, not honest with them. And uh, he was disappointed, and he said, "Hopefully, that when he is back in action, that he can uh, they can reconvene those conversations." But it seems to me that Errol is still going to come back. You know, he's not going to want to come back after having not fought since April of this year to come back next April, June, April, May, or June. Uh, he'll probably still do the Thurman fight, still been mandated by the WBC, which means if there's going to be a Crawford fight, you know. You know you can barely get Errol in the ring once a year. Maybe if we can get him in the ring twice a year, we're talking about probably next, you know, summer at the earliest, maybe fall at the, you know, hopefully. And let me ask you a question, TJ. You think uh, Errol, I mean, uh, Crawford's going to want to sit out another? Almost well, that's the other year. thing. But it's would, like a never-ending fucking would, cycle. It's killing me. I mean, would he be more interested in maybe trying to move up to fight uh, Jermel Charlo at 154, for example, if he could get that for an undisputed fight as opposed to waiting on Errol Spence? I don't know. And again, that's still dealing with PBC. 
et cetera, et cetera. Can I give you a little homework assignment? Because I had a little birdie tell me something. I don't just make crap up. I just had somebody whisper this to me. And I don't know the validity of this. And we may not be able to find this out. But if anybody can go on the detective case and find this out. What's interesting about the back and forth about, and Errol Spence revealed this while we're on the subject. He said, uh, he confirmed it that they were being told he and Crawford were not going to get a guarantee for this. You're going to have to make the money off the pay-per-view. That is astounding to me that those two guys at the level that they're at couldn't have gotten some kind of guarantee out of, uh, out of Heyman promotions, PBC, whoever the broadcast entity is. Okay. So now we're hearing about this BLK prime and they, they have the pay-per-view with Terrence Crawford. I was told by an industry source, let's just say I was told by an industry source that be careful on the stuff about the 10 million being only for this Avenesian fight. That the understanding from the industry source was it was almost like a signing bonus, like here is $10 million and they have a subsequent fight where he may or may not get much more of a guarantee and it's only on the pay-per-view. That it could be two, $10 million for two fights. I don't know how true that My- is, but the industry source was chirping that it may not have been a straight $10 million guarantee for only one fight. I don't think that's accurate because okay. like the first words pretty much out of Crawford's mouth in his own interview after the fight against Avanessian on the BLK prime mm-hmm. broadcast was that this was a one fight deal and we'll be back trying to make the fight with Spence next. So I think that's inaccurate, Okay, but you never know what, what the devil's in the details, but look, Crawford, you can, you can say a lot of things about Crawford, I wouldn't say he's stupid at all mm-hmm. that that this move to go with them was really I I mean, maybe maybe people didn't like the way he went about it. But the end result was whether you believe it was 10 million or maybe it was less, whatever it was, he got a lot of money to fight David Evanesi. Mm-hmm. That was guaranteed. And since the fight has happened and now it's been a week, um, there's been no chirping about unpaid bills. Or people not getting paid. I've talked to people that were involved in the event. Um, things have gone smoothly, money cleared, etc. So I think that's probably inaccurate, and we'll have to just see how it all shakes out. I mean, right. I can't I can't sit here and make a a hundred percent pronouncement because I just don't have the paperwork. Nor do you. Nor does anybody except mm-hmm. Terrence Crawford and his team and the BLK Prime folks. Uh, you know, I hope he doesn't have a multi fight deal with them. Only because not because I have anything against them just because we want to see him have the ability to go make the fight that he says he wants and that you and I and all the other boxing fans around want to see him and Spence. But it's just, you know, the combination of the stubbornness of both Crawford and Spence combined with Spence's own physical situation because of the car accident, the most recent one, the fact that their schedules will be misaligned to some degree, you know, it just... You know, it feels like um, Lucy and the football and Charlie Brown, right? Like Great metaphor. You thought, well, you and I get, get that, but does anybody under the age of 30 still get that metaphor? I, don't I just wonder. A just, you know what? If you don't get it. <laughs> it's true, though. You make a good point. The ball keeps getting yanked out from under us on Spence Crawford. If people hear a reference that you don't get, go on the Google machine and look it up. Exactly. All right. So there we go on that. One more piece of business on the recap and that is the ryan garcia news here we go again but this is not that big a deal i don't think but there's definitely some blowback so he's not going to have a tune-up fight gervonta davis is obviously fighting a january 7th as we keep documenting against hector garcia 
not Ryan Garcia, pay-per-view event, Washington, D.C., allegedly Rayfield there. We're looking forward to that, coverage of that. All right, Ryan Garcia was supposedly going to fight somewhere soon after that. Well, now Ryan Garcia says that will not be the case, took to social media, and basically Golden Boy and Oscar De La Hoya confirming, okay, there's not going to be a tune-up fight, and they ain't happy. So what that says to me, please fill in the blanks, is Golden Boy wanted to do this, but here we go again with Ryan Garcia, won't sign off on the opponent, won't sign off on the money for the opponent. They can't make it happen. Well, okay. we don't know what the reason is. We don't know, I don't the, know reason. what the reason is either, but we know that was the problem before. He's had that problem a couple of times with Golden Boy and with De La Hoya on won't sign off on the opponent for the money, blah, blah, blah. But they can't the work it out. That, but go ahead. I don't think there was a problem with the opponent. I mean, he just, in his own words, on his own social media posts, which he put some things on Twitter, he put other comments on his Instagram, where he's got like 9 million followers, uh, that he basically was like, look, I don't want a bullshit fight. I want the real fight. I'm ready. Look, he did fight two times last year. So it wasn't like he's going to be coming off some wacky layoff like he would have been. Um, but he wants the real fight. So he's like, look, Tank was the one that wanted this fight. If he wants to go do the fight, go do the fight. He wasn't going to hold him up, and he really had no way to hold him up. But he basically was like, and I quote, fuck the tune-up, bring on Tank, sparking him out in two. So he wants the real fight. Now, I had... Uh, a brief text message exchange with Ryan Garcia today, meaning Sunday, as we tape this, where we talked a little bit about that. And uh, he's like reiterating that's exactly the thing. And when I said to him, you know, it was surprising that you decided not to do the tune-up, but your promoters at Golden Boy, meaning Oscar De La Hoya and Eric Gomez, are against it because Oscar had done a video with, I forget which one of the couple of the YouTube channels, because mm -hmm. uh, when the news came out, and he basically was like against the uh the notion of the tune-up fight um in the story that i wrote for my sub stack uh you know eric gomez gave me the comment i will quote it it says i wish the newer generation of boxers would understand the importance of fighting often and staying busy throughout history the truly great boxers stayed busy during their reign it kept them sharp and in shape clearly eric gomez the president of golden boy and his boss and best friend oscar de la Hoya, the ceo and president uh owner of golden boy Ain't happy, like you said. And as much drama as we see sometimes in boxing matches in the ring, the relationship between Ryan Garcia and the Golden Boy Promotions people uh, has been filled with drama. And when I mention the, the difference of opinion between Ryan and his promoters uh, in the text exchange that I had with Ryan, uh, he used some colorful language and basically was like, you know, not happy with golden boys the way that they characterize it so i feel like there's more drama to come but in the end they've all signed off on if not on paper but at least they've agreed to this situation with tank davis so as long as davis wins again there's things that have to be overcome january 7th no injuries and whatever happens with his criminal court case in mid-february in maryland uh as long as whatever the result is if it allows him to have a boxing match they're saying this fight will be in april and hopefully that will happen. And uh, Tank will have his so-called tune-up fight, which, by the way, uh, I think most people that really follow the sport closely know that Hector Luis Garcia should not be qualified as a tune-up. It's a tough fight. I mean, this guy's coming off two big upsets, and now he's a world champion, even if it's at 130 pounds. And um, as we've discussed many times, you know, when I hear tune-up, I think mess-up, because mm -hmm. all it does is give you a recipe for a, a, uh, a disaster. So... I'm happy that Ryan Garcia is not doing a tune-up fight. I mean, if he fought the fight against Mercedo Hesta, which was the opponent that they had selected, I think it would have been a pretty easy fight for him. 
but he didn't want that. And so uh, good for him. He wants the big fights. Ryan Garcia, who I, you know, I can't tell you I'm like, we're best buddies, but I feel like I know him a bit. We've, I've known him since he's like 18 years old. And we've had many conversations about even non-boxing things. Like his mentality is, and, and I, I like this. He doesn't want to waste time with bullshit. He wants the real fights. He wants to, to motivate, it motivates him. He wants to please the fans. He wants to make the money. And if you take on real fights, you can do all three of those things. You can motivate yourself. You can get paid, and you can make your your you know big fan base uh, super happy about those fights. So he wants to go right to the Tank Davis fight, and I can't blame him. All right, so let's just hope that that one comes off because if for whatever reasons, plural, and there are variables that it doesn't come off, you will have had Ryan Garcia inactive since the summer through you know november december january let's get him in the ring with somebody if it's not going to be tank davis if this gets messed up because he's which is what golden boy's point was and 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 their thing is i get it it's a business they want revenue they know his fights generate revenue even if it's not a great opponent it's ryan garcia in the ring and they want some revenue off of it so i can uh i can understand that i get they also by the way my suspicion is look the fight between david uh tank davis and ryan garcia should have come to pass is going to be a Showtime pay-per-view, mm-hmm. not a DAZN fight. That's right. If you talk to anybody at DAZN, they'll be the they'll tell you privately that the one boxer that generates more attention and subscriptions and revenue off of his events for DAZN, other than Canelo Alvarez, is Ryan Garcia. So if you don't have a January fight, whether it's against Mercedo Hesta or some other uh, you know second tier type opponent or a big name, whatever it was, remember. This fight between Davis and Hesta, had it been consummated, was not going to be a DAZN pay-per-view. It's going to be just regular part of your DAZN subscription, which would have driven X number of subscriptions, which would have brought in revenue. And so I suspect that Golden Boy's irritation about there not being a interim fight is partially based on the fact that they want their partner that is responsible for most of the revenue of their company to be pleased and happy so they at least have something to go off of uh, before he goes into the fight against Javante Davis, because they haven't had a Ryan Garcia subscription driver, if you will, since his last fight that, as you mentioned, was uh, last summer. So, right. you know, in the end of the day, uh, I think there is something to be said from their perspective about that. If you want to stay sharp, you got to fight. That's I, I think there's something to that. But we also know that it's a business and they want, as you said, uh, Golden Boy will make money on a Ryan Garcia fight. Uh, they haven't had a lot of big paydays lately. And uh, DAZN, will also have a lot of revenue from subscriptions. So um, they're probably not happy that Ryan Garcia has messed that up. You are quoting Peanuts, Lucy, and Charlie Brown. I'll quote the football movie here in the U.S. from the late 70s, uh, North Dallas 40. I don't know how familiar you are with that, but the famous cliche I've quoted on sports radio and elsewhere podcasts for 35 or 40 years. And uh, I believe it's Nick Nolte's character. Or it may have been Mac Davis, the country star that was also country music star that was also an actor. He's playing the quarterback. He says something to the effect of when you say it's a business, they say it's a game. And when you say it's a game, they say it's a business. It's kind 100%. of the same. It's kind of the same thing here. Whereas as much as, hey, it's the love of boxing and let's have a good fight. Sometimes it's the business part of this. And in the case of the promoter, in case of the guys paying the bills that have the deal with DAZN, it's a business for them. So I, 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 I suspect that. it's, I suspect it's both factors, but that the business is probably the, the primary concern. All right. Uh, where Ryan Garcia, his mind is, he's not, he, I mean, yes, business is part of it. He's thinking, 
I just, I want to get the big fight and I want to win the big fight. I don't want to waste my time. Remember, he's going to have to go through a full training camp also. And no, who knows if he's is wired to give it his best attention. I'll tell you one thing, you know, his trainer, Joe Goosen is not the kind of guy uh, that's going to mess around. Uh, you know, he wants his guys to be in big fights also. I mean, I think maybe Joe might like a little more time to work with him. Uh, I haven't spoken to Joe about it, but he also understands what it's like to get a guy set and ready for a much bigger fight than uh, a Mercedes Hesta fight. Let's put it like that. Okay. So with that, I think we're pretty well good. Is there anything else that, they were good. Uh, that we left out? I think that we're good on the Fight Freaks Unite off the weekend here. Um, again, we look forward to closing out the year. There's not a lot here. There is a world title fight involving Joshua Franco at the end of the year against Ioka of Japan. Good that's fight. That's in a couple of weeks. So for this week, it gets very slow because of Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Festivus. For the rest of us, there's not a lot. So we're going to get more probably into later uh, here this week, next week, into fight of the year, fighter of the year, knockout of the year. All those things are coming. So um, uh, look forward to that here off the podcast. Other than that, are we good? Are we good coming off the weekend? I think we're pretty yeah, well good. Anything about how we both are 3-0 in the betting show, and now I'm 8-0 in my last two weeks. On the bet, U.S. betting show, Brother Rayfield, is money. Is money figuratively and literally right now with those picks. Now, we should say those were the favored outcomes this weekend. That's not true. Not true. Well, but, I mean, Frank Martin was supposed to, you know, win, or it was Whatever, a 50-50 one of the fight. Ones I picked, it was a 50-50 fight, yeah, yeah. One of the picks I had was, like, the, the result was a plus 200 or something like I that. I think that's Frank Martin. Frank Martin might have been plus 200. So we can't, we can't just well, out I of hand that, say I know that person. I'm the one that's 8-0 and you're not. I understand that. Okay. Are you trying to make me feel worse after the Buccaneers blew a 17 nothing? No, what I'm saying is don't attribute my success just because I'm picking favorites. Because I'm not only picking favorites. Remember, I but I had that pick too. I had I'm Chris Billum like, Smith had... by knockout. You had Chris Billum Smith by knockout in England. He got the knockout. But I mean, the week before I had, I had Lopez in the upset over Warrington, for example. You did. You know, I'm not afraid to pick the upsets. I've picked plenty of upsets since we've been doing the show. I'm with you. All right. So, again, they need to pay attention. No bet U.S boxing show with the gambling picks for this friday because there's not fights however we will have one more on the calendar year new year's weekend on the friday the 30th of new year's weekend because the ioka franco fight is saturday morning u.s time saturday night in japan we will do a gambling preview for that we will have a big fight weekend preview for that i'm just saying to the peeps to the savages stay tuned on the podcast schedule here and uh, and also on the Bet US show, but on the podcast well, schedule, if you're following and subscribing, you're going to know when we have the next one. You'll get alerted for the next plus, one. Plus, you know what? You know as well as I do that just because we know there's no fights taking place next weekend, some wacky thing will happen during the week. There'll be some kind of thing that comes up that we'll have to sure. discuss, have to address. Always. It's the sport. It's it boxing. All right, my friend. Uh, we're good. As uh, we wrap this up off the weekend, again, make sure you're following, subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. You get great content, great stuff uh, here off the feed, uh, the previews, the Fight Freaks Unite recap, and also you hear from fighters, personalities in the sport, uh, et cetera. It's all good. Uh, Brother Rayfield, have a good week. We'll catch up with you. We'll be reading you on the Fight Freaks Unite Substack and on Big Fight Weekend. We'll catch up with you soon. Uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays to the peeps. Uh, I will be spending Christmas, by the way, in Arizona with the Buccaneers. We're going for next weekend, and the game is Christmas night. As I have mentioned earlier, ho, ho, ho. All now right. I, can go, I can go back to watching the, uh, the Giants the-, the Giants game. You hopefully will get a win on a late Sunday night that my Buccaneers did not get, and we'll see what happens down the road. Dan Rayfield, thank you. 
You bet, TJ. There we go. We thank you for listening and finding us on the Fight for Each Unite recap.